Hey guys, I'm Jen, owner of Hello June Creative. And I'm Esther, owner of Sereth Design. Welcome to Better, the brand designer podcast. We love being transparent, honest, and down to earth on this podcast. We consider you guys such an important part of our episodes. We're all about broadcasting conversations that support our design community, uncovering industry secrets, and offering actionable advice. Just remember, the only designer you need to be better than is the one you were yesterday. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Better, the Brand Designer Podcast. We are so happy to be coming back to you this Tuesday. It's just Jen and I today, so we are excited that we get to chat and hang out and just have like a normal conversation. Not that it's not normal with our guests, but (laughs) we love each other so much. I know. It feels like less pressure, like to be able to just come on and chit chat and we're like so much less prepared, but like in a good way where we're just going to have a conversation that I'm really excited to talk about because this is like real life stuff that both of us are dealing with in our design businesses right now. So hopefully you guys will will enjoy hearing a little bit of BTS, a little bit of tea. (laughs) Yes, all the tea. And I agree. I feel like it's just... That's why we do it. We love just recording our designer chats with friends. So here we go. Our intro question for today is, what's a bad habit you're trying to break? Okay. I felt personally attacked by this question (laughs) in the best way because I'm trying really hard not to pick up my phone like once every hour. I am so bad about this, guys. I've been trying to basically just plug my phone into the wall in my kitchen and just like leave it there. And like maybe I'll put a podcast on. I just recently got AirPods, which life-changing. I know they're expensive and I know that other headphones probably work just as well, but I love them. Um but yeah, just like when I have like a moment of downtime or when I like have a moment of boredom or like the baby's like playing by himself for like two seconds or whatever, like I don't want to just automatically like pick my phone up just because I feel a little bit of discomfort or a little bit of boredom. Um, I've also been trying to keep my phone plugged in and charging outside my bedroom. I got like an old school alarm clock and I have books by my bed. And so if I wake up before the baby and don't have anything to do, I'm not grabbing my phone first thing in the morning. I'm either laying there and just like thinking or just relaxing or I'm reading a book or I get up and do yoga or something, but I'm not like grabbing my phone first thing in the morning. So yeah, something that I'm working on, but it's definitely like a bad habit, especially like as many pickups as I have. It's probably like hundreds a day if I looked at my my data. Oh my gosh, yeah. And they have all of that data on Apple. Oh yeah. And then I look at it, I'm like, I feel disgusting <laughs> when I look at yeah. my screen time and my like pickups. It's really bad. I like need help. I love that this is a, it seems like a goal for you too, because you're trying to break this bad habit. Yeah. I actually started leaving my phone outside of my room about two months ago and I love it. It's amazing. Life I feel like it's just so nice. My habit that I'm trying to break is also phone related, but it's something we've talked about before, Jen, is that I want to stop looking at my emails first thing. So even though I'm not looking at them while I'm in bed, when I get out, I'm like checking my phone and I look at my emails and I'm like, I do not need to be working right away. And I feel like it's so easy for me to feel like I need to jump into everything, especially as an entrepreneur. We're just like, oh, this is my life. I have to like look at everything, but I'm really trying to break that habit. So good. And like, honestly, is there really an email? This is what I tell myself. I'm like, is there a client that needs something that I need to know about at like 7 in the morning or like 9 p.m.? No, there's not. We are not heart surgeons. (laughs) We're not on call. Like there is... Unless you're like doing like a launch with a client or you're working through some sort of like technical difficulty where like rules can fly out the window for that. Like I'm trying to remind myself that like that time is sacred with myself or with my family or whatever it is. So... Love that. Yeah. Time is so sacred. And even to the personal level of responding to a text message, friends can wait. Family can wait as long as it's not a huge emergency because there are exceptions, like you said, but it doesn't need to be the top of mind. And I've been trying really to focus inward and really just allowing myself to sit in that little discomfort of, okay, I'm like not doing anything right now, but that's okay. Let me just drink my coffee in peace. Let me just like relax a bit. And then an hour into my morning, I can actually get into work. I feel like we just need to practice being bored more often. Like 
human beings in this world, like, like, I don't know. I just look at my baby. Like he doesn't, I mean, he likes my phone, but he doesn't have that conditioning that we have as adults to be checking and to be like digitally connected. Like his two best friends in the world are me and my husband. And that's it. Yeah. Like, Savor I mean, that until he has friends. <laughs> I know, right? And then he's going to be a teenager and like hate my guts, but it's fine. You just have to train your children when they're young too to like not be glued to screens. And that's really difficult in this digital age. Yeah, especially with COVID and everything. I mean, like it's just, it's really hard. And so I want to be modeling for him like what I want, like modeling for myself what I want for him. You know, like it's just so funny. Like when you have a kid... Or even like when I got pregnant for the first time, like I had never really paid attention to like what I ate. Like I kind of like I ate like bagels for dinner in college. And I mean, you know, like I try to eat relatively healthy, but I just kind of like ate whatever I was feeling like. Like as soon as I got pregnant, I was like, oh my gosh, like I have to like make sure that I'm eating a balanced diet so this like baby can be healthy. And like I make him the best lunches ever. And then I eat like popcorn (laughs) for lunch. Like I cut up like avocados and like oranges and give him like grilled chicken and just like really healthy, like cottage cheese. And then I'm just off there eating like a Lara bar or something. But I I don't know. I, I, of course, I always love to draw the comparison between like parenthood and business, but I think it's just important to try to treat yourself like you would if you were caring for. A baby. And that's kind of what our episode with Daniela was about too. Yeah, so exactly. Go back and listen to that one. Such a good one. I love this intro question. And I'd love to jump into the conversation because I feel like it kind of ties in as well about breaking habits. I know Jen and I have talked about this before. We often have this habit of kind of saying yes to everything and wanting to work with everybody. But that's something that We want to break the cycle of and really want to dive into knowing, okay, when is it okay to say no? When do I need to say no? Like, how do you figure out if the clients that we are attracting aren't going to fit us well? Is it the budget? Are they really showing some red flags? Do they have poor communication skills? Is the industry not right? Is the project type not right? I mean, there are so many reasons to say no to clients. And we'd love to just kind of jump into this conversation and have a candid dialogue about when is it okay to say no? And how do we know when it's okay to say no? Yes. Oh my gosh. This is such a good topic, especially because I feel like both of us have recently gone through situations where we have had to either say no or we've had to kind of redefine what type of project and client we actually want to work on. And that's the thing about setting boundaries and being specific about the type of people that you want to bring on as clients, you're going to have to say no and get comfortable with saying no to people who don't fit the baseline that you're willing to work on. And so Esther, I know you recently kind of went through this firsthand. And so I'd love to hear your story about this. Yeah. So back up, when when I relaunched Sarah Design, I had this vision for the type of clients that I wanted to work with. It's clients that are really impacting the world. It's clients that are focusing on sustainability, on community, on diversity. And there's so many, it's a little bit wide, but it's value-based. And so I was really excited. Also something you guys should know about me is I love my plants. I'm sure you already know this. I love my plants and I love gardening. And I was chatting with a design friend and I was wanting to find a client that fit that bill just because it's something I care so deeply about. I have a lot of other clients that are impacting the world and that was one that I have a gap in. And I had a client reach out to me who is a plant store and she did maintenance for plants in corporate companies. And it was amazing, like sounded so, so perfect. Honestly, I was like floored. I was so excited to chat with her. And the conversation went well, but it was a little bit difficult to kind of get her vibe and communicate with her. And then when I brought up budget, her budget just was not aligned. She wasn't quite sure exactly what she wanted. And not that that's necessarily an issue because you can always coach clients through what they need and what can be beneficial for them. But it just felt like there are so many pieces flying everywhere. And At the end of the conversation, I kind of felt like I still should say yes because it was something I had been dreaming about for so long. 
Like I've wanted to work with a plant company for so long. And I thought that it it just had to be perfect because I was just chatting with a friend about it. And I just wanted it so badly. And then I chatted with Jen on Voxer and I chatted with a couple of other friends just talking about how the conversation went and what I was feeling. And like, if I was to do this, should I go lower on my prices? And when I took a step back and like listened to some of the advice friends had given me and also really gut checked myself, I was like, no, actually don't feel comfortable with this price. I really don't feel comfortable with this client anymore, knowing that she wanted to really bring my price down and she wasn't really open to the suggestions that I was giving and the flexibility that I was wanting to have with her. And I think it's really hard to to accept that and to realize even though I wanted it so bad, I would have resented myself and I may have resented the client or the project because of it. And it's really tough to think about that because we want it so badly. And it's just really hard. It's hard to say no. Do you know what I mean, Jen? I feel like it's just, there's so many things that come to it. And now that was about a week ago. Now I'm sitting here like, oh, thank you. And blessings in disguise. The minute that I sent her an email, I got an inquiry from another amazing client. And it was not a plan store, but it's just like, I needed to say no in order for something better to come in. I love that like you have shifted your perspective from like being bummed out about that client not working out to kind of just faith that the next thing will come to fill that space. I think that's really, really powerful. And that's not a practice that I was familiar with at all when I first started my business. So I just want to recognize that. Yeah. I think that that's something that grows as you continue to grow in business. I mean, when I first started as well, I felt the same way of just like devastation. Like my whole life is shattered because a client didn't want to work. Yeah. Your business is over, like burn it all down. Like I'm not like I suck, you know, all of those feelings. Like I, yeah, I'm very familiar with that. (laughs) And yeah. And it's a spiral also of like, they said no because of that price. Like, am I just going way over my head? Should I not even be charging that high? When the reality is no, like somebody else will come down the road and have the understanding of your value and they will trust you and it's okay. But yeah, it takes a lot of practice to get to that point. And I'm not saying that I'm a pro all the time. I definitely still felt devastated when I decided like, I need to just let her go because uh, it's just not right. But it's hard. It's hard. And I am learning how to take it and say something else will come. Mm -hmm. Or that space can be filled with you working on your skills or taking a course or finishing one of the like 10 courses that I have that I have not finished, you know, it's like, oh, it's my toxic trait is that I buy courses and then don't finish them. Um, One of the things I was thinking about too, when, um, one of the things I was thinking about too, when I had said no was, you know, if I don't have any clients and I really want to work on a plant company, how about I just do that as a passion project? And that's something that's in the back of my head at some point. Now I booked clients and I don't have time, but at some point, that'll be my thing. I think that that's so also so powerful of a mindset shift from like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to have clients. Like I'm a failure. Like I'm not booked out or whatever those thoughts that come up when work is slow and inquiries are slow. Because we all know inquiries do not come in a really like, normal, natural way, like two or three inquiries a month. It's like, you'll get like 10 one month and like no inquiries for like two months, (laughs) you know? And so that's kind of like where... I'm curious for you, because I noticed this for me last year. In the summer, I got so many inquiries and I think it was because it was like back to school season and everybody was like, oh, after the summer, I'm going to jump back into my business. And then also similar for like the end of the year to start the new year off, right? What is your schedule typically like? Oh my gosh, this is like so fun to talk about because like people do not talk about this on Instagram, guys. Um, so typically I see a slowdown in the summertime, like you said, in the very beginning of the summer, like when school's out, people are taking a vacation, especially last year in 2021. 
because everyone was like, had just skipped all of their vacations for the summer of 2020 with COVID. And so everyone was traveling, even my current clients. Like I had two projects get postponed because of like various like personal things that people were going through and like schedules and everything. I had very few inquiries during the summer. And then like, as soon as like back to school happened. And then also literally the first two weeks of December, I swear I got like 20 inquiries. I was also launching a bunch of websites then to like finish things up before the holidays. So yeah, whenever I like launch websites, obviously like it does cause a lot of inquiries to come through because people see my site footer credit and stuff like that. Um, and you know, people are sharing about the launch on Instagram and, and social media and stuff. But yeah, I'm the same way. I think I don't know. Last year, it's funny. Last year, 2021, January was like a really, really big month for me for inquiries. And this past January in 2022, it was really, really slow. Well, that's because of your type form. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Called out. Called out, guys. (laughs) This is like so embarrassing. I can't believe I'm going to say this on the internet. But I actually had a client, potential client lead, reach out to me on Instagram and it went to my request folder. Thankfully, I am obsessive about picking up my phone and checking my Instagram. So I saw it very soon. So I guess that's like one good thing about like, you know, and like 99 negative things um, about that, that little habit that I'm trying to break. But she's like, hey, I just want to let you know your like inquiry form is down. And like my stomach dropped. I was like, you are kidding. Oh my gosh. So, like I went and looked at it. And what had happened was, so I used Typeform. I had downgraded my type form because I guess I'm just stingy and like didn't want to pay the like top level for the number of responses because it was like a hundred responses. Like I was like, okay, I'm not getting a hundred like inquiries a month. Like maybe max I get like 20 or 25. Like that's a lot of inquiries, you know? I mean, and like a very small percentage of those people actually move forward. But like, oh, I went and it was down. And I hadn't like, and I was like sitting there like, like, Wow, I just January is usually like a big month for me. Like I haven't gotten any inquiries. I wonder, guys, how many like dream clients they were sold by my amazing website and my copy, and they went to go and submit an inquiry, and it was down, and then they just decided not to reach out. Like I, that's literally gonna haunt me until the day I die. But here is everyone' reminder to go and look at your inquiry form and submit a test to make sure that that thing is working. <laughs> And yeah. so I was like, I think I messaged Esther. I don't know if I like boxered you or like slacked you. I was like, Esther, I want to like lay down and die, but I'm also kind of happy. Like, I don't know if I should be happy or sad because like I thought that like something was super wrong with my business or something. Ended up, it was like my type form because I was like, man, I got like one inquiry in the entire month of January, which is very low for my business. I was comparing numbers from last year. And I was like, that is so, so low. Like what happened? So I was like, oh wait, it's actually not anything that like, like people are just like not reaching out. It's just that like my type form is out. So anyways, side story. I hope you guys enjoyed that at my expense, but happy to report that the type form is up and running. And that person that reached out to me on Instagram did end up submitting an inquiry. Yeah. So if you guys are are listening and you're a potential client of Jen, just message her on Instagram. No, just kidding. (laughs) I know, but people, people do reach out to me on Instagram often. Um, Maybe that means I need to like, create more content around like how to like inquire, but usually I'll just like send them a link to my type form and they're like, okay. Yeah. So that's what I do too. Is if somebody says something, I'm like, Hey, just fill out a form. Cause I want to, yeah. I have the like vetting process through my form too. Yeah. So yeah, I always want and people I mean, to we go can, through that. We can talk about that vetting process too. I feel like that's a really great segue into yeah. kind of like filtering out clients. But before we jump into that, did you end up like emailing the client and telling her no? Or like, how did the story end basically? Yes. So I ended up emailing her and I took a day to respond. I was told her I might send a proposal, but as I was thinking about it, as I was putting the proposal together, I'm like, no. So I ended up emailing her and just saying like, Hey client, thank you so much for getting on the phone to chat with me. It was so nice to meet you and hear about your business. It sounds amazing. Unfortunately, right now, I don't think that your business is going to be a good fit. And I'm so sorry that we aren't going to be able to work together. I hope that you find a good designer. If you want any recommendations, I'm happy to provide some recommendations for you. Otherwise, have a good day. And I hope you have a good business, basically. <laughs> that's a wow, did she respond? It. Uh, she did not respond. And that's okay. Like I feel like sometimes I've had people respond when I've said stuff like, I don't have bandwidth or things like that, or the project isn't a good fit. Sometimes people are like, thank you for letting me know. I appreciate it. Yes, I would love to know other people. 
sometimes I do, if it's really just not a good fit, not necessarily budget, I'll send them to a friend because a designer friend, because they know like their budget is there, but the exact project is not for me. For example, Daniela, who is on our podcast, she does a lot of like astrology and spiritual clients. And that's something I'm not necessarily well-versed in and not very comfortable with doing. So I sent that to her. So it really just depends on the reasoning. But no, the client that I sent the email to that I was just chatting about, she did not respond. And I think it's okay because at least I closed the loop. I always just like to close the loop, even Mm -hmm. if it's a no. And even on the other side, if they've decided no, I just want to like know that it's over. So we could just wrap this up. Yeah. I actually just on the client side, I was a client for a potential investment in my business. And I sent this business and this person, Hey, I thank you so much for the call. Thank you for the proposal. It's just not the right time in my business right now, but I so appreciate it. Like, you know, the proposal and everything. Um, and she actually had a great response. She was so respectful. She's like, Oh, thank you so much for letting me know. I'm curious what you decided to do and like what your next steps look like. And I was like, Ooh, that is such a good question because that made me feel like kind of called out in a good way. Like, okay, yeah. so like what you had these goals, like, what are you going to do to achieve them? You know, like, and it was phrased in such a like kind and supportive way. I was like, this is really making me think, okay, like, well, what am I going to do? Cause like I was just talking to her about some social media stuff and my plan right now is like nothing, which like feels bad. And I don't want to say that. So now it's like, not necessarily yeah. that I'm like, oh, maybe I'm going to like hire them now, but it does make me think about the value that they could have provided to me, you know? Yeah. I like that response. And I think I kind of want to adopt it if somebody says no yeah. to me too. Yeah. Because it is nice to know. I mean, it's easy to just be like, okay, cool. Thanks for letting me know and like move on. But yeah. that helps us too to go internally and think about actually what is the background here? Like what's going yeah. on? Or I mean, sometimes with a client, we'll say, hey, it's not the right time. Then I'll say, hey, it's thank you so much for letting me know. It's it's so important to me and my business to understand how we can serve people, even when they decide not to work with us. So I would love to hear um, any you know decision-making factors that, that went into this decision. If you're decided to go with another studio, we'd love to hear about it. Um, and I always phrase phrase it in a way that feels very casual and light. And I say like, this will really help us be able to serve people better in the future or whatever. Yeah. Um, sometimes people don't respond to that, which is fine. But then sometimes you get really, really good insights from yeah, people. Like, I oh, I decided that. to go with another studio that had like more Shopify experience or whatever. And it's like, that's actually how I started in web design. I asked that question way back in the day when I started my business. I asked that question to someone who said no to me. And she said yeah. that she needed someone who did Squarespace. And so I bought a Squarespace course and <laughs> learned how to do Squarespace. And now I offer web design. And so, so that really changed adapting. I am adapting. I'm Then you can offer so much more if it's something that they wanted and you didn't have. It's like, okay, well, let me see how yeah. I can expand my offerings. Even if that means like maybe at the time, it's awesome that you did learn Squarespace, but maybe you didn't want to, and you instead brought on a developer, found somebody who was really good at that. Like it it can look so many different ways. And I think it's really just important to also remember to be respectful and to be so polite and cordial when you are saying no, because that person could come back to you eventually. If you just kind of brush them off or you don't say anything, it's really rude, not good etiquette they will never come back to you or refer people. I mean, I've had clients where I've said no and they're like, okay, I totally understand. Here's my friend who it might work for. Or I also had somebody who said no and then six months later, I'm still working with them now on a retainer basis. So Mm -hmm. So it really just depends on timing sometimes. And if you're just a overall good human being, then things come back to you. TLDR, be nice to people. Yeah. Always. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But going back to the inquiry form, Jen, what yes. do you do to vet your clients before you get on a call with them? And then at, after that, I kind of want to jump into how do we vet them while we're on a call with them? Yeah. So good. So there's a lot of like, there's a lot of vetting that happens. The way that the lead process works for me is that someone fills out my inquiry form. There are specific questions in that inquiry form, one of them being, 
why are you trying to... I mean, like I'm butchering this. So don't like actually write out what I'm saying because I'm not looking at it right now. But like, why do you want to work specifically with our studio? What about our design work or aesthetic or values resonates with you? And so that way I can tell whether or not someone's shopping around or not. And then another heavy hitter question, I think there's only two questions like this on my inquiry form is, why is it important for you to invest in this area of your business right now? A, that, that frames what they're going to pay you as an investment. I know that's like not like a new tip or anything, but kind of gets them in the mindset of like, hey, there's ROI for me here. And then the second part of that is like, why now? (laughs) So you've hit kind of the three main value-based pricing questions with those things. And then earlier on in the inquiry form, there's like a checkbox dropdown of like what services are interested. So why this? Why me? And why now? Those are kind of all filtered through in my inquiry form. And so I actually go ahead and ask those questions again in various different phrases on the sales call. So they inquire. I send them an email back that's canned. It's not automated because sometimes I'll get an inquiry where I'm like, I don't even want to get on a call with this person. Mm -hmm. Then I will respectfully direct them to a Facebook group or something um, or like Fiverr or Etsy. And just so I'm not sending like any red flags to any like fellow designers because I don't play like that. But then yeah, they then I send... If they are a good fit, I send them a canned email that has a link to book a call with me. They book the call. And then I have the value conversation with them on the call. Why this? Why now? Why me? Lots of other different questions. We avoid discussing specifics and deliverables and process and focus more on the transformation and the value. There's a whole episode on value-based pricing with Morgan Rapp in Season 3, I believe. So go back and listen to that. But I'm also getting a sense on the call of their personality. And does the conversation flow well? How much do they value branding? Do they think what I do is important? How do they think what I'm going to do for them is going to impact their business financially? In terms of confidence, in terms of reputation, are they like giving me really like weird vibes? You know, it's kind of like an intuitive conversation. And like, I hate to draw the dating metaphor again, but it's like going on a first date with someone. You kind of like get a gut sense of whether or not you jive with that person. And that's not to say that every client that you bring on needs to be like your best friend ever in the whole world. I've worked with a lot of people who I have so much respect for that like I don't know if I necessarily would like want to like be their best friend and like text them every day, you know? But that's like kind of fun and and cool. So, I mean, it's very basically like long story short, it's a very intuitive process, but if you ask specific pointed questions, in a kind way that like are going to help you get to the root of whether or not they're going to be a good fit, then it's a great filter. And that's why I like doing sales calls because I like meeting people and I like kind of sussing out whether or not like they're going to be a good fit for you. And like one last thought on sales calls is that like when you're kind of framing it as like, okay, I want to see if this client is going to be a good fit for me, it allows you to bring this really neutral energy to the call. Yeah. That's oh, we've been like, talking about neutral energy a lot. Yes. Yeah, I love that. Oh yeah. I have like a neutral energy emoji that like it's like the girl who's like lifting her hands and shrugging her shoulders, like, hmm. you know. <laughs> I was like sharing that with one of my uh with one of my mentorship students on Boxer. We were like laughing about that. But it just kind of like frames it more as a like you're kind of interviewing them rather than like yeah. they're interviewing you. It sets you up more as the expert in your field because you don't have to take them. I think a lot of clients yeah. may come to us thinking, oh, well, they just need the money. They just need a project. Yeah, so like, like oh, I'm, I'm interviewing them. To them. Yeah. 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 When it's really the opposite, you're really trying to vet. And I do this, some of the similar things with you in your inquiry form and then also in the sales call, probably because we both have learned value-based pricing as well and how to really yeah. have those value-based conversations. That's one of the biggest things that I look for in my inquiry form is, I put in here, what values does great design bring in your business? I want to know that they actually care about design and that they're going to be as excited about it as I am because they want it and they know that it's going to be valuable for their business. Another thing that I ask too is what about your work or the products that you create? What are you passionate about it? Or why are you passionate about it? Because I want to work with people who really care about what they're doing, not just making money. 
It's really Mm. how are they impacting the world? How are they impacting their business? How are they impacting the people around them? But then, yeah, having those conversations about why me? Why, Why do you like this? Why are you interested in this? Why not do it yourself? Why not find somebody on Fiverr? Like, why are you looking for an experienced professional? And when you have calls, you can tell from their reactions if they actually care. And like you said, it is very intuitive. You have to kind of be thinking on the outside, like almost like a bird's eye view while you're actually interviewing them to see, is this even going to work out? And like you said, you don't have to be best friends with them. I mean, I have clients who have become friends, but at the end of the day, they're clients. It's business. It's not friendship building. Yes, that was a let's huge build friendship for me. Yeah. yeah, let's build relationships, but it doesn't have to be friends. Yeah. Yeah. So like no phone, no phone numbers with them, you know, but like I have so many clients that like I like one of my clients like put me on her Christmas card list. I was like, that is the sweetest thing ever. Like, I don't know. Like that's really like my clients will ask about writer all the time. And like I had one client, we finished a project. She was like, I'm legitimately sad that like we're not gonna be like doing calls anymore. Like I'm gonna miss you. And I was like, I feel the same way, you know? And so it's like, how do we filter through? The people that give you headaches and are like when they email you, your heart sinks, and then get to those people who are the Christmas card list type of client. So I would love to like hear from you kind of like, what are some things like, I know we've done a red flags episode in season one or two, I believe, but like, what are some things that like you look for that like are kind of turnoffs to you on sales calls? This is a really good question. And I hope no clients are listening. Be- well, whatever. You can listen. Be a better client. <laughs> One of the things I look for is dismissiveness. If they are kind of like, oh, cool. Well, here's what I want to talk about. They're not actually like leaning into you to kind of lead the conversation and hear your insight. So when they're just kind of brushing you off, I can feel that. I feel like I don't bring it up in the call, but you can tell that they don't actually care that much or they want to talk over you and they want to tell you exactly what they need done, when they need it done. I want a website and I want it to be on show it and I want it to be done by March 1st and I want it like whatever that is. And I want to use pink and I want to use like <laughs> the exact oh, I love things. when they like jump into like when it becomes not a sales call and it becomes a creative direction call. And it's like, okay, yeah. let's zoom out a little bit. <laughs> let's talk. <laughs> you know, it's just like, oh, like I love the color blue and teal. And it's like, oh, we've actually set aside time for that in our brain yeah. discovery process. Like let's zoom out and talk. Them. You know, it's just, it's just yeah, funny. We're not talking about those details yet. If you want a pixel yeah. pusher, you're not coming and to the right place. Legitimately like don't know what a discovery call is for. Yes. Like I had and a, client, I think a like, lot of like, an it. hour and I did not talk like one second. It was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of it is kind of re-educating people because the design industry is a little bit oversaturated with so many people diving into design and so many people also undercharging and not knowing the basics and not knowing exactly what to do. And if you really want to position yourself as an expert, you show and you teach them about like how this process is really going to go and position yourself as I know what I'm doing and trust me and I'm not trying to run all over you either. I really just want this to be a good partnership. I want to work with you and I want to make your business better and here's how I've learned how to do it and how I've developed my process to go. So yeah, somebody who's really walking all over you, that's a big no-no. Yeah, and I think later on in the process too is when people are nitpicky about the contract. That's typically like when they've already said yes and they're ready to move forward. But I definitely tread lightly when people are like wanting to like change clauses in the contract or they have like weird, you know, stuff like that where they, they beyond what's like normal. Like sometimes people will have questions about the site footer credit or whatever. And I'll explain myself and they're like Mm -hmm. totally chill. But people who are like, yeah, let's, we need to cut this whole section. And like, I don't agree to this. And like, you know, it's just, kind of controlling behavior control like I like how you said dismissive but also controlling is yes definitely a huge like run for that I think you can also <laughs> tell kind of in your initial discovery call too of like are people gonna respect my boundaries yeah because we talk about boundaries so much and it's so important but like 
are they somebody who's just going to say, well, I don't care. You're working for me. And while, yes, we are working for them, we're actually, it's more of like with them and I'm not your employee. So you can't treat me like this as an interview for your job because that's not what it is. Yeah. So good. Another thing I was thinking about too is like sometimes, I don't know if you do this, Jen, but at the end of a call, after I've gone through all of the value conversations, we get into budget and also timeline. And I share a brief overview of how my design process usually works based on the deliverables that they're looking for. So if they're looking for copywriting and website, we'll talk about how that process goes. I give a brief overview. If a client ever says, well, I, let's, we don't need to do X part of the process. I'm like, no, <laughs> we're going to do that part because this is what it's important. Like when you go through branding and they don't want to do any type of strategy, even if it's like a minimized strategy, it's like, no, we have to do that. That's really important. Here. Yeah. It just comes down to them not like seeing you as the expert and hi- like them thinking that they're hiring an order taker. And there are people out there that do that. That's what Fiverr is for. Like give someone a brief on Fiverr and then, you know, they'll do it. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what Fiverr is for. I mean, I've never done work for Fiverr. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong about that. I've never either, but I kind of get the same vibe yeah, too. It's like, hey, I have this brief. I'll pay you 50 bucks an hour you know, for four hours, or whatever, like get it done. And I, I usually people need it by like tomorrow or something crazy. Yeah. But like, I don't know what we're providing, at least with me and Esther, and I'm sure a lot of people listening is, and if you're not providing this yet, like join us is that the, these boutique, high level, high ticket design services. It's different. It's a different industry than being a freelancer. And I say that after, after having been a freelancer for years, after I graduated college, I just took on whatever. It's a shift in perspective from freelancer to, to creative director to business owner. And my process mm-hmm. is like gold. Like no one can mess with my process except for me. And I change my process all the time, <laughs> which is fine. Um, yeah. But like you have that high standard yes. for yourself. And I, I think it's so important as a business owner to have that. Like I love being in a boutique studio. I'm like, business owner, you're not a freelancer anymore. No. We've stepped away from I don't that. even use that word. I don't. Use the I don't yeah, use the I F kind word. Of like hate using that I don't word. Use the F word. The F word. Oh, I've never said that before, but I love that. <laughs> we should make a graphic for that, um, or like a T-shirt or something. Um, <laughs> merch on our merch. merch. <laughs> um, I love it. So, how do you actually say no to a potential client or a potential opportunity? Like, what is the language around that? Like, this is something that I struggle with a lot, and something that I've been working on recently. So, yeah, I think there are so many reasons to say no and so many ways you can go about it. It's kind of like pick and choose what you want to do. Like you can kind of white lie to them a little bit if you're a little nervous, right? Like say, oh, sorry, my bandwidth. I don't have enough bandwidth. If you just kind of want to brush over it. But with the bandwidth thing, like I learned from Morgan that like you bandwidth can be an emotional bandwidth too. Like you can say yes. like, yeah, absolutely. I don't have the bandwidth to take your project on right now. And it doesn't necessarily need to mean that you're booked up. It can just mean that you just yeah. don't see an alignment and values without like having to be like, I don't like your values. Goodbye. <laughs> you don't have to tell mm-hmm. that explicitly. I don't no. think. I think you can just say bandwidth. That's it. Bandwidth. Yeah. Point like, hey, I, just, I don't have the bandwidth for your project. You don't even need to say at this time yeah. because then they'll be like, it's fine. I'll wait. <laughs> you say, yeah, well, my year yeah, that's is looking true. really, really busy. <laughs> I don't know. I think you have to, yeah, you have to kind of like know all of the different options that are there for you and pick what will be right in this certain situation. So yeah, bandwidth can be like hit or miss. If you really don't have bandwidth, you can say I'm busy. And then if they end up coming back, you can still say, sorry, I'm busy again. <laughs> like it, it really is okay. And I think we can get nervous about that too, right? Of just what like I'm exactly uncomfortable saying. to like tell somebody no. Yeah, it is because we're not conditioned to do it. And I think also, I, I know we have some men who listen here as well, but for women, I think it's really difficult because we are conditioned to kind of just be submissive and just do whatever. This is very overgeneralizing, but I do think it's kind of drilled into Yeah, us I mean, I'm definitely ages. a recovering people pleaser. Like I can remember a few memories from from kindergarten where I like, was talking or something. And then the the teacher was like, 
Jennifer, because <laughs> I used to be Jennifer before middle school. Jennifer, stop talking. And I would be like devastated for a week that someone was like mad at me. And so it started when I was very young. So I don't know like where that came from, but like that's kind of like where some of this like struggle has been. And even telling people, like recently I've been kind of starting trying to shift into more of like the service-based space because I just prefer doing show at websites than Shopify. I still will do e-commerce, but I don't necessarily want to be doing like these really huge e-commerce websites for like multi-million dollar companies. It's just like a lot of pressure and stress that I don't really need in my life right now. But it's like hard to have someone inquire and then get on a phone call with them and be like, actually, I don't think my studio is the best fit for your goals. But that's another way to say no. And that's actually something that I have done very recently. And it was really hard. I like that. It was so hard to say because... Especially when it's Oh, the budget was there, friends. The budget was there. I've had that too, where I'm just like, oh, Mm -hmm. yes, I know you're paying a lot, but uh, no, thank you. I learned that lesson last year and I, we launched amazing websites last year. Like, oh my gosh. But like, and there was this, this one project that we launched. It was like definitely for like multi-million dollar like company. And we launched the site. It was amazing. The client was happy. Everything went fine, but it was so stressful for me. That like I was just like I don't know if I necessarily like want to do this again, and so I actually did have yeah. to. I still sent out proposals to a couple clients who were looking for some like pretty intense Shopify work that I would definitely need to outsource, which is like totally fine. I've got great um, Shopify like you know developers that work for me on a contract basis, but I had to be like I don't think that my studio is the right fit for what your goals are, and like I had to like downsell myself. They ended up not going with me, obviously, because I was just like super honest with them. And they were like, they spent the call trying to convince me that their project wasn't as complicated. I felt like it would be just because I've I have experience with this, but the, it just, the product didn't end up moving forward. And that's like, I think about that and I think about the lost revenue and I'm like, oh, but then I think, wow, I'm not going to have to like Go to bed nervous about someone's website, like not functioning properly. That's just kind of why e-commerce just like freaks me out a little bit. I know that a lot of designers out there love e-commerce and they're able to do it in like a day or a week or an intensive and it's totally fine. But I don't know, just something that I've been been struggling with recently. But that's another way to say, you know, I don't think my studio is the best fit for what your goals are. And if someone's goals are to have a fully designed brand identity and custom website for like not enough money, then your studio is not the best fit for their goals. And you can say that, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes. Something that I am curious if you do, but if somebody doesn't have enough budget, I never actually say your budget's not high enough. Do you say that? I usually go around and say like, my I'm not the right studio for you, but I don't actually say. I try not to ask for budget. Sometimes they'll tell me, especially if they're balking at the pricing that I'm throwing out there, the ranges that I say on the sales call, if they're like, oh, wow, like I was expecting that's higher than I was expecting. Then of course I hit them back and say like, okay, like I would love to hear what you're expecting to pay. And then... Yeah. Yeah. That's what I yeah, meant. Yeah. Then mm-hmm. they... Then they'll say, okay. Yeah. So then they'll say, oh, like I, I want to pay $2,000 for like a fully custom brand and website. And then I'll say, okay we can't offer you the deliverables that you're asking for at that price point, but here is... And then I go into a downsell of a VIP day, day rate, whatever like my downsell is. And then this is just awkward, but like I've had sales calls where it's just, there's no downsell for their goal. And I just say, well, I guess it was like... It just, I'm really glad that we got connected. And you know, I think that maybe you know either wait or... <laughs> Explore XYZ options, but I am basically not going to send you your proposal. (laughs) Kind of like painful, but there's so many. It is very painful. (laughs) It's hard to say say no. I've had, like I was talking about at the beginning of this podcast, if I've had a client where it seems like a really good client, the budget is there, but the industry just isn't right for me or the project doesn't feel right for my studio. You can say kind of what we were just talking about of like, oh, my studio isn't good or isn't the right fit for you. But also you can refer people. Like I have a list of 
like my closest designer friends who I know are incredible. And I'm still, I'm obviously always building on that list. But like, if I have somebody who I feel like will actually be a good fit for them, then I'll send that over. Or if I, if I know just like, maybe their personality would vibe a little bit better. If I just feel like overall, it's not working for me, but they're not a bad, there was no real red flags other than the fact that like, it just isn't right for me personally. Then I'll send that to somebody else. Yeah, I I think that that helps lessen the blow a little bit of like I can't help you, but I still care about you enough to like see your goals be achieved. And so I think you know X Y Z designer might be a good fit. I've I've sent people to designers who I know are either like newer to the space or I I know their pricing and I know that the pricing is going to be a better fit for them. And what a great mm. way to show love to your fellow designers. But y'all don't be referring yeah. red flag clients to anybody, right? <laughs> that's where you go, oh, yeah, definitely not. Group. Uh, maybe make a post in Creative Lady Collective and let other designers kind of suss out whether or not they are going to be a good fit for them. Because honestly, a red flag client for me might not have red flags for somebody else. I mean, I consider myself a pretty good judge of character, but you never know. And so I feel good about some referring them to Facebook care. groups. <laughs> and some people don't care. Some people are just like trying to make some money. Yeah. If you refer a red flag client to either of us, we will not be your friend. <laughs> just kidding. We'll be friends we'll with everybody. We'll be your but friend, like, but like we'll go back and be like, hey, did you notice that this person said XYZ on the sales? I've had that happen to me before where I've actually referred a client, like a potential client to somebody where I didn't see any red flags. And then they see a ton of red flags in their conversation with mm-hmm. them. And I always feel so bad. I'm like, I promise you, I would not have sent this person to you if they acted like that towards me, you know? I've gone back. <laughs> And like thought about projects that I did before, mostly before I started going full time that I just kind of like took on because I didn't have anything going on. And I look back on those projects and I'm like, oh my gosh, I was pulling my hair out that whole project. And I should have known not to say yes to that. And it was before I even knew what to charge Mm -hmm. and like, you know, all the things were wrong there. But let's save you some heartache, guys. Like let's nip that in the butt. Let's actually have those hard conversations up front so that you don't have to have the hard conversations in the middle of a project mm-hmm. or be crying yourself to sleep because I have done yeah, that. Me too. Because the project sucks mm-hmm. and we Just don't like want energy that for you. draining and like every part yeah. of your day, you know? Um, and so yeah. I feel like. Esther and I were at the point in our businesses and also in our financial situations. I just like want to touch on that for a second where it is more profitable for us to say no to certain projects because we have the referral train going. We know that we can rely on at least a certain number of inquiries coming on every month generally. And we're in good financial situations where you know, saying no to a project doesn't mean that we're not going to be able to pay our bills. I think it is kind of different yeah. when you might be in more of a situation where like you have to make rent or you have to make payroll if you have full-time employees or you know like you have to do what you have to do as a human being to like put food on the table, pay your rent, etc. So sometimes you can't afford to turn down a red flag client. It's kind of more about determining whether or not a, it's going to be a profitable project for you. Obviously, every project should be profitable. And then B, like your time. Is the time spent agonizing over this client worth the amount of money that they're paying you? Because maybe, maybe it is if it's a really, really dry spell for you and you need yeah. a cash injection or something. But yeah, I just like wanted to like throw that out there because like I do think that it is like kind of yeah. like a place of privilege to be able to be like, oh, well, I'm just going to say no to this client, you know? So I want to just like, for all the people out there struggling financially, like I see you, like we see you and you have to make the decision for yourself of what you're going to ignore, what your like baseline is. Like I feel like baseline, baseline for me is just like rudeness. Like, I don't know. Maybe I've just never been in like that desperate of a financial situation. But like if someone is like rude to me, like it's not worth it. But there have been things where I'm like, you know what? I see a red flag, but like I need this money. And so I'm just going to move forward. So. Yeah. Thank you for calling that out. Because I think that it is important to talk about there are times where you do have to say yes. And I think something 
the advice I would give you if you are in that situation is in every project that you go on, take a learning opportunity Mm -hmm. out of it. Let's still be kind to people and let's still put our best foot forward and do the best we can in each project. And there are clients that are going to be really tough, but how do we push through it and how do we work with them and still create good outcome? That's not to say overwork yourself, but how do you continue to get better so that the next time you don't have to be working as hard or you know kind of what to expect if you do end up working with a red flag client? I also know that Jen and I, this is not like we probably will work with harder clients. Yeah. Like this is not the last oh, time. it will happen. <laughs> we will have to say no. Yeah. It will happen. And so we do want to encourage you guys that if you're in a place that you still need to work with those clients, take it as a learning opportunity and also utilize our Facebook group. Utilize us, like message us on Instagram, message us on Facebook. Like we want to talk you through those situations too because it is hard and we have been yeah. there. Oh yeah. Yeah, the the crying yourself to sleep comment. I was like, yeah, I feel that. <laughs> oh, on a deep level. Hopefully not as many of those projects uh, in the future. Maybe I'll just cry myself to sleep like one night out of the year instead of like multiple nights like last year. Yeah. I have one more suggestion. Yeah. Yeah. I want to hear it. Um, I just thought of it. But if you're saying no to a client, maybe their budget wasn't there. There's another option that I I did recently, a couple months ago, is I send them an affiliate link to website templates that could use. Because I had a client who wanted to use Squarespace, but they didn't want to spend the money at the time. So they they did say, and I, I do trust them, that they were like, eventually we do want to work with you, but right now we just kind of like need something up. So I was like, here's Square Muse. Like, I love Square Muse. You guys should use them. And I sent them my affiliate link. So I get, I can't remember how much I get back on it if they do use it. But that's a good way to still get like a little bit of cash flow if they're not gonna. Yes. I actually just signed up to be, I don't remember what they call it, but for Tonic Site Shop, I've been looking at doing like template customization by purchasing like a premium template through something like Tonic for Show It. They, um, have an affiliate program where you can give, you can pass along a discount. I'm not sure if you make money off of it necessarily. I'll have to like look at it, but um, I know Squarespace. They you do for like the Squarespace like membership. Is it a discount or do you like for the Circle? Yeah, for Circle, it's just a discount. Just you don't discount. get any money back oh, from okay. it. Okay, well, yeah. find a template shop that gives you a little kickback. I like that. Awesome. Well, I think this was such a good conversation. I think there's so much more to talk about, but if you guys have questions, of course, message us in the Facebook group. And if you're going through something right now, even if it's like literally right after you got off a call and you don't know what to do, because I do that with Jen all the time. (laughs) And I like other friends do that with me, like just chat, like there's going to be somebody in the group who will talk you through it. And that's what we're here for is that community and trying to help each other have the best businesses we can and be better designers and just really know intuitively what's going to work right, for us. Right. Because the more sales calls you do, the more experiences you have with clients that you love and clients that you don't love, it just helps to hone your intuition, I feel like, to the point where I can get on a call and know pretty quickly whether or not the person is going to be like a good fit for me. Budget, uh, it's a little murky sometimes. But as far as personality and just intentions and values... Um, it gets easier over time. Well, thanks guys for chatting with us in this conversation. We are so thankful to have you. Our inbox question today is from Bethany McCamish. The question is, how many offerings should you have as a designer? This is such a good question. I know. It's like, I feel like I'm always giving this like cliche answer of like, well, how many offerings do you want to have? <laughs> but if this person... I know. I feel like the gut is to just say like, do whatever you want to do. Like we've been saying that so much. I mean, like <laughs> as far as my perspective as a boutique brand and web designer, I like doing two services. So brand identity is the core. I will not take projects on that I have not designed myself rarely will I take on a project if the brand is in alignment with my aesthetic. But then I also offer website design. But then there's also like little add-on services that like I don't really consider like 
huge services. So I would say I have two offerings, which is like brand identity. And then the second one is brand identity and website design and copywriting. Cause I mm-hmm. always require all my clients to, to get copywriting, um, whether or not it's through us or, you know, another, another professional copywriter. Um, most people are really excited that we will offer copywriting too. And it just like makes the whole process so much more seamless, but yeah, yeah. copywriting, like email design, email copy, copywriting, blog writing, like little things like email signature design. I, I've kind of been moving away from print recently, but like a business card design, investment guide, PDFs, uh, social templates. Those are all like little things, like little add-ons that I can include in packages to have something be at the higher end of a range or the lower end of a range, depending on like what is important to someone or whether something's a nice to have or like they must have it. But like I know a lot of designers who like also offer social media strategy and they offer like, you know, one-to-one like brand strategy sessions and they have a lot of different like types of packages. And it really depends on like, A, what you like doing. I love branding and I don't want web design. And then B, also like, what are you good at? Like, do you have a special skill that like, like, are you, do you have marketing experience? Okay. Well then social media marketing, like that would be amazing content creation. Um, so I think that those are the two things to ask yourself about like when you're trying to kind of craft your offer suite. Yeah. And if you think about also going back to season five, episode four with Lauren, she offers packaging and that's her biggest thing. So it really, designer is such a blanket term no. for so many different things. So you can offer so many different things and it really just does come down to what you what you enjoy most and what you're good at. My gut reaction to your question, Bethany, is I would say have approximately three core services. So like Jen was saying, brand design, web design, copywriting. But I think you can either go down to two or up to four. So I share four on my site. I will do brand design, web design, copywriting, and strategy. But of course, like you said, it that's not to say I don't do video editing or social media templates or anything else like that. It just is dependent on the conversation. But I don't advertise that and say like, I do all of this. Because I think it's really hard for clients to see, oh my gosh, they do so much stuff. Like, ah, that freaks me out. If you have, I do brand design and web design. And then you have a conversation with them and they say, oh, I actually need like a couple of animations. Okay, well, let's talk about that. Maybe I have an animator that can work with you. and open that conversation up. But my gut reaction is around three. Yeah. I like that. Of course, you can do whatever you want, but that's my thought. Yeah. I like keeping it simple. And I think it makes the sales process simple too. I mean, I could try to offer other things, but maybe I'm just like not as multi-talented as other designers. But like, I would not hire myself for social media marketing because I don't have that background or that experience. And clients have asked me for that. That's the most popular thing that people ask me for. It really is. Yeah. I personally hate social yeah, media. I, yeah. I'm not... I'm reading a book about it right now for my own... like To market my own business. And I'm like, this is a world that A, terrifies me. <laughs> and B, like, yeah. I don't really know much about. you know. So you can always outsource. I love what Esther said that like, if someone has a specific... like like they must have this deliverable in their package or else they will not work with you. You can say, "Hey, I have like an animation guy who will be able to do your like maybe they want a mark that's animated or something. Like that's not something you know how to do." Yeah. I will make that happen for you. You can say that you can bring a specialist on or something. Yeah, I think that it makes it so much easier for them because they want that one-stop shop. They don't want to have to find five different people. And that's what I showcase within my studio is like, we can do almost everything, almost, not everything, but almost everything because I'm always going to be able to find somebody to do it. And I want them to not have to go to a million different places. Also, because I'm a little bit of a control freak and I want to know like the quality that's coming through. If I'm going to get an animation from somebody I don't know and have to put on your website, that's going to look really, it could potentially look bad. And look poorly on me. That's why I like offering copywriting. I didn't do it. That's you know because the clients were giving me just copywriting. They weren't 
more often than not, people were just not giving me the copywriting <laughs> on time. And so I was like, you know what? We're just going to write it for you. And uh, that's worked out really well. But I I wish I could just yeah. be like CBO to every single client that I work with. Like I wish I had like a million brains and I could just like come on and just make sure that every mark is being used in the most proper way. And that, you know... It's like, it's hard to see your babies out in the world. And most of my clients do a fantastic job of implementing their brand. But yeah, I'm a control freak too. So we're friends. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's that. I mean, you kind of have to be as a designer, you have to be detail oriented. But this is such a good question, Bethany. Thank you for asking it. If you have your offerings that you want to share with us as well, feel free to tag us under the comments in the Facebook group. And we can workshop it there. And also if anybody else has thoughts on what they're offering too, because it's different for everybody. Mm-hmm. It's never going to be the same. What works for me doesn't work for Jen. What for, works with Jen doesn't work for me yeah. either. So it just really depends. Amazing. Yeah. Well, guys, this was so fun. It's like, I always love getting to just chit chat with Esther and hopefully a couple more Esther Jen episodes are going to be coming all's way. Um, but thanks for hanging out with us today. Um, and we will see you guys in next week's episode. Yeah. Talk to you guys later. Have a good week. Bye guys. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Subscribe wherever you're listening to make sure you don't miss an episode. And we'd be forever grateful if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts. We bet you got designer friends who'd enjoy it too. So share it with them. If you'd like to submit an inbox question for us to answer on air or want to get in contact with us directly, email us at inbox at betterbranddesigner.com. If you love these conversations between designer friends and would like to support us, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash betterpodcast. Our Facebook community is one of the most positive, supportive, and fun groups we've ever been a part of. We'd love for you to join us. So search for Better, the Brand Designer Podcast on Facebook. And visit us online at betterbranddesigner.com to learn more about our podcast and snag major discounts on our favorite resources. Special thank you to our producer, John, from Wayfair Recording Co. See you guys again next week.